0: Outsiders live stream for January 24th, 2022. I am your host, editor in chief of Football Outsiders, Aaron Schatz. Joined as always on Mondays by Ian O'Connor from Edge Sports, and we're going to take you through the incredible divisional round weekend that we just enjoyed. Uh, Please feel free to ask questions and make comments if you're live streaming right now on YouTube or Twitch. Please make sure you subscribe to our show, like the video and subscribe to our channel because it helps people find our shows in the future and we want to spread the word about the football outsiders broadcasts. All right, we, we got to start with last night, the best game of the weekend no truly lived up to the hype, uh Bills and Chiefs um a lot of fourth down decisions to discuss. A lot of unbelievably impactful win-win probability plays to discuss. Just a crazy, insane game. Um, that I mean, some people are, feel it may have been the best game in the history of the NFL. Like it was that good.
1: Yeah, truly lived up to the hype. Was lived up to the hype, and then some. Ten times, like it was absolutely amazing. Like it was exciting throughout the game. You know, they were tied pretty much neck and neck, and then that's that. I guess in the third quarter, in the end of the fourth quarter, just everything kind of exploded. And you mentioned some fourth down decisions. Nothing that really, like last week, we had some at the very end of the game that really kind of decided games potentially. Um, this week, there were a little bit earlier on. It was more of, as you said, impactful plays. That's really the talk of the weekend versus fourth down errors or really good decisions on fourth downs. But this one started off strong with Sean McDermott uh, deciding to go for it on the opening drive, fourth and two right at midfield ends up being the fifth-best fourth-down go of the week. Uh, It was a 4.3% increase in pre snap win probability. Josh Allen's able to pick up the first down, getting 10 yards on that play. Then on the same drive to end the drive, it was the fourth-best go of the week. On that fourth-and-goal at the one, decided to go for it. Pretty much a no-brainer these days, especially in a game against the Chiefs. uh, And flip side, if it would have been the Chiefs on the opening drive against the Bills, that's what you just – you have to go for that. They went for it. It was a 4.6% increase and ended up getting the one yard and scoring a touchdown there. So really good to start the game.
0: I, I was going to of... say, one, one thing about that is you had two really important fourth down goes that contributed to the Bills scoring a touchdown. Strangely enough, at the halftime show, they were not mentioned. Yeah. Apparently fourth down goes are only mentioned when they fail. Isn't that interesting?
1: Right, and that one that, that we'll get to as well. Um, that like you, to your point, you know, Brandon Staley's was talked about a bunch. We talked about here, said we agreed with that decision, and yet we'll we'll get to the fourth and one the Bills had at their own 34, where everyone was calling for him to go for it. So it's really hard to to understand, and um, I guess not hard to understand. People just when it doesn't work out, you get hammered for it. When it works, it's like oh, they should have done it anyway. But it, it kind of things changed as we got to. Really outside of the first quarter, uh, for the Bills at least. Eight and a half minutes left coming up halfway through the second quarter. Had a fourth and four on their own 49. Just a yard shy of midfield. Was aggressive on the first one. This is two more yards, a fourth and four versus a fourth and two. Decides to punt now. Tied at seven. It's a three and a half percent error. Comes in as fifth worst of the week. It's early on. Um, so it's not as big as it would have been later on in the game. But then Andy Reid on the other side had his first big decision in the third quarter and made a good one. Uh, fourth and one on the Buffalo 40 about five minutes into the third quarter, deciding to go for it, tied at 14. Again, kind of like that fourth and goal for the Bills. Really a no-brainer here when you've got Patrick Mahomes, you're you're looking at a long field goal, of 58 yards or punting, which I don't think Reed would ever do in this situation. Some coaches do. But fourth and one on the 40, going for it, picks it up, gets 20 yards on the play. But then is when we get into those questionable calls, and I know people – People were uh, upset about a couple of these. One of these, the worst call of the week was that fourth and one I just mentioned. Buffalo at their own 34. I think pretty much everyone was calling for them to go for it. Here was actually like a half a yard, if that, um, that they needed.
0: It's not that the Chiefs and the Bills scored on every drive. But man, it sure felt like they had the possibility of scoring on every drive. And you just cannot turn over possession in a situation like that.
1: Yeah, especially with these two guys, and that's what we were talking about earlier this morning here, saying, like, with Mahomes and Allen on the other side for both of these teams, it doesn't matter if they get the ball at the 50-yard line or at their own five. It seems like, to your point, that they're just going to go down and they're going to score no matter where they get the ball, especially as we got into the end of that game. But deciding to punt there, fourth and one, you've got Josh Allen, too, who's, what, 6'4", 225 pounds or whatever, like, perfect for picking up a half a yard, a yard, two yards, and deciding to punt with 7.4% error. Uh, at that point in the game. And then Andy Reid did a little bit of the same. He's got a little bit more cushion on his um, early in the fourth quarter. It's the second worst call. It's fourth and five at the Buffalo 46. But, again, there's really not much to be gained really in a game in general on punting from the 46, you know, 30 yards of field position in any other game really isn't that helpful in terms of win probability, but especially in this game where the difference between the five-yard line, the 15, the twenty, like. It's really not that big of a difference. It doesn't seem like the way these two offenses play. And so this one, the fourth and five, was a 5.2% error. Um, just really hate to see it. You know, he, he made the right call in the fourth and one. Those fourth and fives, you know, it would be interesting to see what what his threshold was there. If he was like, you know, if it's a fourth and three or less, I'll go for it. Um, but still, across midfield and it's in a game like this, it was 23-21. So this was right after the Josh Allen had the 75-yard strike touchdown on the first play after the Chiefs scored. And missed the extra point. So they're only down or the Chiefs are only up two. they already seen that the Buffalo is just going to score, you know, pretty quickly. They can. So really surprising. I really thought Andy Reid was going to go for it there. But bringing the the team off the field was was surprising to see. It turns out the fourth downs, I guess you could say these decisions really didn't have as much of an impact in the long run because they just kind of scored at will. Uh, as the rest of the game went on. August. Well, they
0: did have an impact because if you're scoring at will and you give up the ball, then you're not scoring, right? right. I mean, you yeah. know, we don't know how the game would have been different if the Bills had if the Bills had gone on fourth and one on their own thirty-four. Right. Yeah. As it turned out, it ended up,
1: I was like, you, uh, we said at the top, having impactful plays that were worth a lot more. But yeah, the fourth downs, um, always important, always meaningful. But this one just it, it, they're kind of overshadowed by what happened in, in the rest of the game.
0: Right, so the final two minutes have four of our five most impactful plays of the week. It uh, was absolutely crazy. Let's start uh, at the start with two minutes left. Yep,
1: right at the two-minute warning coming out. This was right after, I think this was uh, after the play where they had a third and six, and uh, the Chiefs just kind of blew up a little screen pass. that Yes, that uh, terrible,
0: yeah, where he flipped it to Singletary and they lost seven yards. It was a terrible play
1: would have been better off just knocking it to the ground in that in the heat of the moment it's hard to kind of think or process exactly. that you don't want a chance of it getting batted around or something but yeah facing fourth and 13 on the Kansas City 27 seems like this is going to be it it's almost like you know they they're not going to get the fourth and 13 they did suck three timeouts they would have had a chance to to stop them but 20 hits Gabriel Davis on a touchdown 29.6% increase where And as it happened, I'm watching. Like, how was he that wide open? And then you see the route; he just absolutely breaks. Yeah, Mike Hughes
0: completely slipped on the grass, and that was that.
1: Yeah, that that one was again 29.6. Only the third most impactful play. Number the fourth most impactful came not too long after a minute 13 left, second and 10 for the Chiefs. Their own 36. Mahomes hits Tyree Kill coming across the field, hits him in stride, and then Tyree Kill just outruns everyone else, gets to the sideline, heads up, and is gone.
0: Buffalo has maybe the best safety tandem in the league with Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, and Hill just went right past them.
1: Yep, it was you know kind of the I, I don't know who was guarding him when he caught it, but made a dive, almost got him diving at at his foot. I uh, was able to get up, and then it looked like maybe a guy had a shot, but watching how fast he is, you're like ah, I don't know if they're going to catch him. And obviously they did, but that was a 29 and a half percent increase, so just 0.1 percent. Uh, less than that Josh Allen touchdown pass. That was number number three, number four. And then coming, the second most impactful was, you know, after the Chiefs win, you're like, all right, a minute left. Josh Allen, they're good, but I, I don't think they're going to be able to do it. March down the field, get to the 19-yard line. Uh, I think that was the catch. There was a pass interference, but he caught it anyway to get there at the 19. He's only 17 seconds left, and he hits Gabriel Davis again. The fourth touchdown, which – really it it sucks you know having a great game you're gonna you're gonna remember forever the league's gonna remember forever and end up losing is just really sucks for them the whole the team as a whole but this one the fourth touchdown again got open over the middle pretty wide open and allen was just one of the lasers that he was throwing all game that was a a 35.6 percent increase in win probability so at this point you're thinking it's definitely over 13 seconds left that's even not enough time for patrick mahomes But think again, it was our fifth most impactful play ends up being the second play of that following drive where uh, Mahomes hits Kelsey, who's wide open, 25 yards down to the 31-yard line. It's a 24.1% increase to set up the game-tying field goal.
0: And I'll point out the reason why that's the fifth most impactful play and not like the most impactful play is that first you have to make the field goal. So Mm -hmm. you're not you're not putting yourself in position that you automatically have tied the game. You still have to make the field goal. And second, if you tie the game, it's now 50-50 in overtime. Whereas like the Josh Allen passes for touchdowns were giving you leads that made it so you would win in regulation. This was just to get a tie. So Mm -hmm. basically what you're shooting for is not 100%. You're shooting for 50-50. So that's why the Travis Kelsey play is less impactful than the touchdowns
1: and interestingly the the um the after the, t- the touchdown with, with 13 seconds left the bills were up over 90 or just at like 92 percent um and so that so can see has got like eight percent chance to win because of the kick into the touchback you know the model it kind of expects it being a short kick you know it knows how to play out those late game situations because they kick the touchback which is a completely different conversation but because of that, they actually gained almost uh, about a point and a half in win percentage by having a touchback, no time off the clock and having the ball at their own 25.
0: Uh, right. Kansas City drive. gained that.
1: Yeah. Yes, Kansas City gained it. So Buffalo, actually, I was surprised to see it. I didn't think it would be that big of a difference. Again, it's a point and a half. It's still below 10 percent. But based on just the fact that no time came off, um, put them up almost to 10 percent prior to that.
0: Right. So Kansas City was at 9.6% when they got the ball with 13 seconds left. Yeah. And they so they built uh, they built 40.4% win probability because by the time you get to the start of overtime before the coin toss, it's at 50-50 because we basically had the bills in the Kansas City. I mean, we had the bills slightly better than Kansas City, but Kansas City's at home, so it's evens out. So we basically yeah. had it at
1: 50-50. Yeah, we had it, our win probability split was 50. 50- 0.05% in favor of the bills and just a, an unbelievable game the overtime you know there's the, also the whole conversation about overtime and the rules and it it's one of those when when we were doing our podcast earlier with Scott Brown here at Edge was kind of talking saying you can be a proponent of the bills I think the bills should have played defense to keep it from getting to overtime they could have played defense in overtime you know the rules of the rules that's fine I think you can believe that and also kind of be upset or think that it's a shame that Josh Allen didn't get a chance to respond just oh, because the shame, game was that certainly. good. It was just um, an amazing game. We didn't want to end.
0: <laughs> I think I'm I'm a proponent of just of learn to play defense. I'm a proponent mm-hmm. of I mean I think I think the best uh overtime uh idea is the split the pizza idea. The cut the cake whatever they call it, you know whatever you <laughs> might want to call it, where the two teams get together and basically have a auction of where are you willing to start with the ball if you you know if you are on offense are you willing to start on the 20 mm-hmm. are you willing to start on the 19 are you willing to start on the 18 on the 17 on the 16 mm-hmm. uh, an idea that the Ravens proposed to the league last year which actually comes from an article on football outsiders the idea first came up in an article by Michael David Smith in the first year of football outsiders mm-hmm. in 2003. Other than that idea, I much prefer this to something like college overtime where you, you have this sort of fake start from the 20 where there's just mm-hmm. tons of offense. I mean, I feel like play defense, play special teams, play an all-around game. If you're kicking off, there's a slight advantage for the team receiving the kickoff, but it's not a huge advantage. you got to play defense. Now, here's the sort of caveat to that. I think that if you want to say play defense, you should give them five or 10 minutes to rest mm-hmm. because that defense was freaking wiped. Yeah. And that happens all the time, like including in Super Bowl 51, where a defense gives up the game tying score and they're completely wiped. And then the, they lose the coin toss and they have to go out there first and they can't do anything. Yeah. I think if you're going to say play defense you know, you, you only deserve to win if you can play defense. You have to give the defense a little bit of rest first. Um, yeah, and I think,
1: too, um, it's one of those things where, you know, this game I think is a perfect example of it, at least from my standpoint, where obviously it's not 100% that either team is going to score when they get the ball. But in this game, I think from watching it, essentially the coin toss won that game because I think everyone believed whoever got the ball first was going to win that the game. The same
0: thing, yeah, Super Bowl 51 was similar. And I think you want – to stay away from that, you can't make it so offenses aren't powerful, but you could Mm -hmm. give the defense a little bit of rest. Uh, Sean McIsaac says, what do metrics say about changing the overtime rules in terms of would it make deferring way better? If you do the college overtime rule, it is much better to be done defense first than on offense. Um, As much as people feel like the college rule is more fair because both teams get the ball, the team that wins the coin toss in college wins overtime more often than in the NFL because of the advantage of being on defense first and knowing what your opponent scored. And therefore, do yep. you have to match a field goal? Do you have to match a touchdown, et cetera? So that's the one thing I know about the metrics and changing the overtime yep. rules is that in honest, honestly, the college rule is actually less fair than the NFL. Yep. Yeah, I've
1: always liked the college rule for the NFL, except having them start, like, at the opponent's 45. Um, but, I mean, it's – there's definitely – I think there's a better way to do the NFLs, but I don't know if anyone really knows the better way I to mean, do people it. Like those, you got to kind of figure it
0: out. teams get the touch, – touch the ball, but then it's very likely what you would have had was the Chiefs score a touchdown, the Bills score a touchdown, mm-hmm. then the Chiefs score a touchdown and win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. except uh, except it would be sudden death so actually what you would have had was the chiefs score a touchdown then the bills score a touchdown then the chiefs score a field goal and win right um i will say it's interesting about this game uh dvoa thinks kansas city way outplayed buffalo well. now i haven't gone in yet and cut out overtime to see what the numbers would be without the overtime cuz obviously kansas city just dominate just a dominant drive
1: so four plays but i think four,
0: for the game, Kansas City had 78% DVOA and Buffalo had minus 8% even after adjusting them upwards for playing Kansas City. Wow. And the Chiefs had a 90% post-game win expectancy. One of the remarkable things about this weekend is that even though all the games are close, by DVOA they were not. DVOA gave very strong post-game win expectancy to the rams the Bengals, and the chiefs the only game that comes out super close in post-game win expectancy is packers versus 49ers where the packers have 52 52 percent win expectancy
1: yeah that one's not too surprising what do you think it is in this game that that made the bills so low negative dvoa for this game
0: yeah it's interesting i'm gonna have to look a little closer at. at the splits, the special teams-wise, Kansas City was mm-hmm. definitely better. Uh, and on offense, Buffalo had fewer yards per play and a lower success rate. Yep. So their plays were more sort of boom and bust. I mean, you have the 75-yard mm-hmm. touchdown, right. right? Whereas Kansas City's were much more steady gains, which mm-hmm. is more of an indicator of future success. Right. So I think that that's why Kansas City ended up with the much higher DVOA. Okay. So that, for example, in uh, weighted DVOA, including the playoffs, uh, be, last week Buffalo was two and Kansas City was six, and after this game, Kansas City is two and Buffalo is four. Okay. So, all right, let's talk about another wild finish, which is the Rams and the Bucks, where Tom Brady almost made twenty-seven to three sound like twenty-eight to three. <laughs> I couldn't freaking believe that. Um. This one, like I said, DVOA also really feels that the Rams outplayed the Bucs. And the big difference in this game was fumble recovery luck. I mm-hmm. say
1: so, yeah, um, it looked like the, uh, the the Rams were obviously not trying to give it away, but with uh, the, the Cam Akers fumble and then the snap uh, over Stafford, he was ready for it. And then even on the final drive, Stafford fumbled, was able to recover it. Got lucky on that one, recovered it, and yeah. still was able to win fumble it. But, fumble yeah, it,
0: recovery luck and fumble recovery location because the snap mm-hmm. over Stafford's head was a 30-yard field yeah. position change that was based on something that's I mean the Tampa Bay had nothing to do with, right? Yeah. You know, Tampa Bay has no power to make you miss snap the ball and no power to make you snap the ball that far backward. Mm-hmm. Um let's talk about uh well, we guess we the, it's interesting the Buccaneers win probability was never that high at the mm-hmm. end of this game even with the comeback until they probably tied it, then it was probably reasonably high.
1: Yeah, when they tied it, they got up to, I think it was 44, uh like 44.4. 4. Uh, interestingly, because I, I was looking at that this morning and I was surprised too. I knew it was pretty low. Um, So after they recovered the Acres fumble, um was the Acres fumble the one where that led to the game tying? I don't remember. Whichever one led to the game tying touchdown. Yeah, Acres. That was Acres. That fumble took them up to like 23%. So they still had to score extra point to tie, maybe go for two, but then get to overtime. It was after they tied it. On the kickoff they were up to 44.5. They actually got over 50% on just prior to the Rams second and 11 play. That was the, the I think 20-yard completion to Cup that got uh, them they literally the got 44. out of bounds. Yep. They were at 50.8 prior to that play. So that was their first time over 50% since back in the first quarter. Um when they had a second and nine, three to nuts, seven and a half minutes left in the first quarter. So they actually did get up just over 50%, like I said, right after they tied it when they were able to get them into a second and long. But as, as we know it, Cooper cup had two catches back to back that that pretty much shut that down.
0: Uh, Mike Lund asks if there's any chance that I could tweet out the article from 2003, I think you mean the, not the playoff article, the splitting the overtime pizza article about overtime. Uh, If you look in my tweets and replies, you'll see that I sent it to a couple of people last night or search online for football outsiders splitting the overtime pizza and it will come up. All right, Uh, Ian, I guess you are gonna have an updated coach rankings video coming on Wednesday, talking Mm -hmm. more about these coaches and coaching vacancies, which interestingly enough, have not been filled yet. Like usually by this point, a couple of the open coaching vacancies are filled this year. They're not. I think that that suggests the teams are really heavily looking at the coordinators on these teams that made the playoffs.
1: Yeah. I saw it was um, I think Brian Dable is the first one that's gotten a second interview or been scheduled for a second interview with the giants. If I remember that correctly, but I saw this morning, but I think Dan Quinn and uh, Brian Flores are two of the others there, but yeah, the, 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 giants, Gotten a GM yet? I thought I saw that they did decide. Yes, or maybe Joe, Shane.
0: Joe Shane, okay. former assistant GM of the Buffalo Bills, okay. is the new general manager of the New York football Giants.
1: So maybe not so surprising, or maybe I, I would assume that kind of probably makes Dable the front runner. I haven't seen any of the odds, but I yeah, would. Think I still think Dable's a better fit there. for
0: Chicago because I would love to have Dable with Justin Fields, but
1: yeah,
0: um, he's definitely he in the mix in the Giants. Um, and it's interesting. All those Panthers people that went to Buffalo are now starting to spread out throughout the league. Uh, so, I mean, Buffalo's a very well-run team. So, I, I'm not going to begrudge them that higher. Uh, yeah, let's put we'll up look the at some of those. What'd you say? So, we'll look
1: at. The, I would say we'll look at be looking at the coaching vacancy is also uh, kind of previewing the the coaching matchups for the the uh, the conference championships as well. So, that'll be fun to yeah. Too
0: conservative. Um, Mm-hmm. Coaches in McVay and Shanahan going up against each other, and then um, less conservative coaches in the Cincinnati Kansas yep. City game. Um, let's put up the uh, graphic on the most impactful plays, most of which we've already covered, one of which we haven't. So, four of these plays are from the last two minutes of the amazing Chiefs Bills game. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep, we've got the the four that we covered there. Interestingly, too, before we get to the number one, someone did ask when we put these out on Twitter about um, the blocked punt from San Francisco not being up there. That one actually ties for number six. Uh, so it's just outside the top five at 20.8% decrease for the Packers on the blocked punt touchdown uh, that the 49ers scored. It's tied with a Joe Burrow interception late in the third quarter. Um, both of those were 20.8%. But yeah, the, the uh, number five through number two are all the Bills-Chiefs game. Um, And then number one, probably no surprise, Ryan Tannehill's third interception of the game. Late in the fourth quarter, only 20 seconds left that set up. Uh, Joe Burrow to hit Jamar Chase on the very next play, uh, getting them in field goal range, and then Evan McPherson hitting that winner. But the interception was a 40.8% decrease and win probability and just a really bad game from, from Tannehill.
0: Yeah. Unlucky. I mean, some of those picks were like off guys hands, but um, yep. his receivers didn't really do him any favors, especially the receivers who are not named AJ Brown or Julio Jones. And Henry wasn't really playing that well either.
1: Yeah. A lot of the people, and we'll get to it. The fourth down they went for and just in general, I've seen a lot of people kind of never thought I'd, hear hear people say this, but kind of questioning the usage of Derrick Henry perhaps saying that, you know, Foreman had looked a little bit better. No, he had the really long gain yep. that led to him having more yards. Um but you know the, and, and I think there's question on was it the third and one before their fourth down they it was a Tannehill was it a sneak or something instead of using Derrick Henry on third down as well. But
0: um and yes, so, the yeah. first the first pass play of the game, which I think was the first play of the game it yep. was an interception. That is correct. True Mac says yes. Tannehill threw an interception on the first play of the game. Um, let's talk about the five best coaching decisions, some of which we've covered already, some of which we have not yet covered. Yep. number um,
1: five and number four we covered. They were the two, the opening drives for the Bills, fourth and two at the 50 was worth 4.3% pre-snap win probability, and then the fourth and goal at the one-yard line was 46 49ers Packers. This one is another one of those that kind of borders on one of those ob- obvious decisions that we wouldn't normally include. The relative, uh, the relative increase in win probability was kind of within that threshold we typically use, but it was they're down seven, six fourteen left. They do still have all three of their timeouts. Choosing to go for it instead of kicking a field goal ended up being a five point one percent increase in pre snap win probability. I don't think there is any coach that's going to kick a field goal there. Uh, oh, we still there, there are it.
0: where there used to be. I don't know if there are at this point, but five yeah. years ago. Oh, hell yes!
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, down seven to try and cut it to four so you can win with a touchdown. But make the right decision this week after that horrible decision by Shanahan last week. This one backfires, goes for it, doesn't get it. Um, but the decision to go for it was good, it was a 5.1% increase. The Titans one of that comes up at number two is a similar situation. Um, as far as they go for it, they don't get it, it's still the right call. In this one, they were tied at 16. So instead of taking, going for a 53-yarder to take the lead with seven and a half minutes left, so halfway through that fourth quarter, deciding to go for it, we like the call there as well, 6.1% increase in pre-snap win probability for the Titans. Uh, Again, that one didn't work. Henry got stopped two yards short. And then number one was Andy Reid, who covered the fourth and one at the 40. That's just with the Chiefs, um, that offense with Patrick Mahomes, fourth and one in that territory where It's a long field goal. If you punt, it it just doesn't make much sense to punt. So that one was worth 8% in win probability.
0: Don't forget to make comments on the live stream. Uh, If you're listening after the fact on the football outsiders podcast network, you should be watching the live stream at 1 PM Eastern on weekdays because we take comments and questions and we answer them. And you want to also like, and subscribe to our videos and channels on YouTube and Twitch. Um, Todd Singer says, Arian's not going for two when scoring a touchdown down 14. What general range is that in? Yeah. So the not going for two when down 14 thing is actually a very tiny change in win probability because when when, usually when this situation comes up, your win probability is so low that the change in win probability is going to be very low. Yeah. It's still, still, you should still do it right.
1: Yeah, if that's the case in this one, it's zero point three percent. It's like a it's a four and a half versus four point eight percent in win probability. But to your point, it's more so of I think just the underlying math and the probabilities that say you should go go for it, like I said, the process of it, but the chances of it actually playing out where you win um are pretty low, you know, whether you go for it or not in those situations. But yeah, it ends up being less than half a percent, but still still the wrong call. And I Aaron, like you said uh yesterday, Arian's really isn't the coach, it seems like that's going to do that or even think about that in a game.
0: Uh, Chad Reuter says the Bills late fourth down punt from their 35-yard line. I believe that that we did discuss that one already, right? Uh, then, so, yes,
1: we did. That was the fourth and one um, at the 34 that comes out. That was yeah, the worst, the error worst error of the call week. of the week. Seven and a half percent.
0: Let's bring up the graphic with the worst calls of the week, speaking <laughs> of that play, which was the worst call of the week. Uh, Number five, we already covered when we talked about the Bills-Chiefs game.
1: Yep, that's the fourth and four, just shy of midfield at the 49, was 3.5%. Number four is just just above that at 3.6%. It's the Titans, a similar situation, except they're down six, or right at the start of the second quarter, so early in the game. Fourth and three, just shy of midfield at the Tennessee 47. And this one's kind of surprising with Rabel because I think he's thought of as – aggressive. Sometimes he's actually ninth or in the regular season, he was ninth in CCI, which is our fourth down decision-making metric. But he's one of those that I think you don't expect to be that high. Um, He's just kind of like
0: Dan Campbell, because he's kind of old school gruff. Mm -hmm. You don't expect him to be analytical, but he is.
1: Yep. And so that one is number four coming in. Number three is Matt LaFleur, Green Bay. He had a couple of them in this game. This one, the other one doesn't show up. Um, this one on here is the fourth and four at their own 38 halfway through the third quarter. They're up seven to three at this point. Just decides not to go for it. the way the games go. This is one of those, I think, playing with the feel of the game. They could never really get anything going. The turning point for me, and I've thought back to this game a million times being a Packers fan yesterday. was a very, it was tough to watch football yesterday, but the turning point was the Mercedes Lewis fumble. Green Bay was moving the ball very well until that point. They had got, they'd scored on the opening drive. They held them. They got to San Francisco 40 and fumble, and everything just kind of fell apart there. And so I think this is one of those where LaFleur was kind of playing the flow of the game and kind of how he felt it. But still, with Aaron Rodgers, a fourth and 40 of your own 38, you're getting close to midfield. You're not so far deep in your own territory. The defense was playing well, too. Um, going for it here would have given them 4%, 4.1% greater win probability. The other one that doesn't show up ends up being it's that fourth and two uh, where they tried to just draw them off sides. And this one actually comes in at number six. So it's just outside at three point two percent. But just trying to draw them off sides on fourth and two from their own forty six halfway through the second quarter. This one is I'm actually surprised that it's not higher than the other one. I guess the biggest thing here is just time. That one came halfway through the second quarter, uh, but that one was a three point two. So he's got two of the top five here. And uh, number three is that fourth and four.
0: Todd Singer says, looking back, the Green Bay offense attempting fourth and four is less risky than the Green Bay punt team punting. It's an interesting debate as to which is more painful as a fan. Would you rather be me and my team went out there and got completely freaking crushed in the playoffs? Mm -hmm. Or would you rather be you and your team played close, but had your heart ripped out at the end?
1: I actually thought about that before we came on here because I had I've had a feeling something like that would come up. And this I was trying to kind of yesterday thinking about it ranking the kind of like the worst Packers losses that I can remember. Um I don't think anything tops the 2014 Seattle meltdown. Yeah. Um the Brett Favre Giants game in the FC Championship might, is probably number two. This one for me might be number three, just not only because of the game, but the expectations, the one seed. You're at home. Could be Rodgers' last game as a Packer in the NFL. Devontae Adams is set to be a free agent, can franchise him. But if Rodgers leaves, does Adams want to stay? Um, I think just the overall situation, losing this game was very tough. I, I still think I'd rather it be close than to get completely blown out and, like, never even have it. Like, the whole game, basically, after the first quarter, you really don't care about watching the game. Um, but it's man, it may it does make it worse in the end. Like at that moment when you lose,
0: I think, I think that I uh, I think I was more chipper last Monday mm-hmm. than you are because yeah yeah uh, because well, you know it's not like one or two plays made the difference, right? Like Buffalo yeah. just crushed New England, and it was just never going to be the Patriots' day, mm-hmm. and so you move on, and um, and just like it's interesting, I, I'm thinking just of the results of the games, but you're right in that how you feel for you that may have been the quarterback's last game in town. Whereas for us, it's, oh, our quarterback is a rookie and maybe he'll get better. Although it certainly mm-hmm. doesn't look like he's as talented as Herbert. Uh, yeah. I don't think there's anything that stops him from, I don't think there's anything that would stop Mac Jones from being Joe Burrow. I don't yeah, think Burrow and, and- particularly has more arm talent than Joe Burrow is just amazing at deciphering what's going on with the defense and, uh and um deciding where to go with the ball mm-hmm. and i think jones could become that he can't become he can't he'll never become Herbert or Allen or Mahomes. Right. And I think
1: too the expectations like like being a rookie quarterback like not really no one really expected them to to make the playoffs really or right. you know maybe compete for a Super Bowl they there. The, expectations really good there.
0: the Packers have been sky high all year.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, a couple of plays here and there, like I mentioned the, the Lewis fumble, the Aaron Jones on the long 75 yarder, it looked like he kind of tried to cut in and fake him where I thought if he would have just kept going to the end zone, he maybe gets in or gets to the five or 10, but then not even getting a field goal out of that, getting it blocked. Obviously the blocked punt, if that punt doesn't get blocked, you know, San Francisco's maybe close to midfield, but four and a half minutes left and we're playing with a seven point lead versus tied and just, Rodgers missing Lazard on the last, the third down. Just there was three or four plays there that you just kind of I keep going back to and thinking about that. It just it, it, it's tough. Luckily the game was on Saturday, so I had yesterday to 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 deal We're with it a little bit. But yeah, it's still still not great. It'll it'll be a little while, I think.
0: All right. Don't forget you can find these top fives and more at the edgesports.com top five editorial section. That's edjsports.com. Once again, thank you to everybody who is watching our show or listening afterwards on the uh, podcast network. No stream tomorrow. Wednesday is the Ask Us Anything show. We'll be back at 1 p.m. Eastern. So please make sure you subscribe to the show. Give a review. It helps people find us in the future want to thank everybody for watching and listening. Thank you, Ian, for joining me as always. And we will talk to you on Wednesday. Also, oh, I forgot to mention. Thank you, whoever just put up the graphic. Splash Play <laughs> is the big fantasy show with Chris Spagnuolo, Uh, Monday, Thursday, and Friday at 2.30 p.m. on this same bat time, same bat channel. Actually, a different bat time, same bat channel. So also, you definitely want to check out Splash Play play for DFS advice and looking at fantasy. uh, It will be on at two 30 Eastern this afternoon. And then we will be back Wednesday at 1 PM Eastern. So long everybody.